0: What if being a happy pharmacist wasn't a to but your reality? Hi, I'm Sierra Richards. I'm a pharmacist who experienced burnout early in my career, overcame it, and am now living a life that makes me happy and healthy. On this podcast, I share the strategies and tools you need to prevent burnout, set boundaries, and start living the life you have been dreaming of. This is the Happy Pharmacist Podcast. North American Pharmacist Licensure Examination, or NAPLEX, is the highest stakes exam a pharmacist will take if they are pursuing licensure in the United States. With so much writing on this exam, it's important to be as prepared as possible. And fortunately, there are some tips and tricks that can help you succeed on the NAPLEX. So today I am sharing 10 of my top tips for passing the NAPLEX exam. So my first tip here is to read the competency statements. You can find these on the NABP website and they're really boring, I get it. It's super tempting to skip over this part, but these competency statements aren't really that long. They're not that hard to read and they are your best guide on what information will show up on the exam and what information won't, which is very important because you don't wanna waste a bunch of time studying something that is not on these competency statements and won't even show up on your exam. So you can find these statements, like I said, on the NABP website, it's free to look them up and you can even print them out for easy reference as you study to see if you're studying things that will actually be on the exam. So my second tip here is to start preparing sooner rather than later. I know that it is extremely tempting to put this off. You have a lot on your plate right now. You're getting ready to get to graduation, walk across that stage, you get your diploma that you've been working so hard for, you're trying to find a job or you maybe have a residency and you're moving across the country and looking for a new place to live. And all of that is way more exciting and fun than studying for this exam. I get it. I have been there and I was somebody who studied hard for only three weeks because I put the exam off and I passed. I will tell you it did work. You can cram and it can lead to success, but it also led to a lot of unnecessary anxiety that I don't want you to experience. So even if you only start incorporating a couple study sessions a week or maybe 15 minutes a day of studying calculations, while you're still in rotations, while you're getting ready to graduate and finding a job, doing all of the things, you will thank yourself later because it can reduce the amount of time that you need to study closer to the exam. It's going to give you the ability to take more breaks whenever you're in the really depths of studying that is, you know, that couple weeks leading up to the exam that really requires a lot more attention. And the other thing is you may give yourself enough time to re-review the tricky subjects that are coming up in your studying that you wouldn't have time to re-review if you didn't give yourself plenty of time to go back and look at concepts that maybe are harder, like HIV or infectious disease. This brings me to my third tip, which is to do as many study questions as possible. There are a lot of different ways to study, and I know that there are a lot of different ways people enjoy studying. So I don't want to tell you that there's one perfect way to study because I don't believe that's true. But if you get the Rx Prep book, for example, and just reading charts and tables is not your thing, and maybe listening to videos isn't your thing, or it's something that you do sometimes, but it's not perfect, I really recommend doing as many study questions as possible. Because for me, I found the best retention when I was studying using practice questions. And I think this may be a little bit of my competitive nature where if I get something wrong, I don't want that to happen again. So it just sticks in my mind better as I review the answer to that question that I got wrong. It is something that really, really worked for me. I was determined to remember the answer and why I got it wrong so I wouldn't make the same mistake again. And that just helped me retain this information just so, so much better. If you're looking for a really good question bank, TrueLearn offers a great question bank with over 1500 practice questions that also come with detailed explanations of the answers. I also really love that they have the sources linked right below the answers so you can just get on there and click through them and see the primary literature where the answer came from, which I think is huge as somebody who is a bit of a primary literature nerd. You could also add on a Picmonic subscription so you can get their video tutorials and find a different way to study that is a a little bit less boring than the dry textbook way. I actually have a discount code for you so you can get 20% off your subscription of 90 days or more with the code Farm. That's H A P P Y P H A R M for 20% off. This brings me to tip number four, which is to practice calculations as much as possible. If you're just dipping your toes into the studying routine waters, this is where I would start because a large portion of the competency statements we discussed earlier require you to complete a calculation to get your answer for example, you're doing like weight-based dosing and using somebody's weight to figure out what medication dose they would get. Basic calculations like that, all the way to doing complex different calculations using a patient's labs in order to figure out like corrected calcium. So while you have six hours to complete your questions, you have 225 questions in this exam, by the way. You don't want these calculations to slow you down or prevent you from being able to spend time thinking through these more complicated clinical questions that will come up if you read the competency statements. There are a few of those and while they're a smaller percentage those questions do take more time. Also there's some problems on here that might come up that are like really in depth and you don't want to know part of the answer or how to do some of the calculation but not get to the final answer. So there's like multiple choice questions but there's also open response. So you may find a significant portion of them are open response depending on what kind of test you get. Some of you will be lucky and maybe get a lot of multiple choice ones where you have an answer to work back from if you get stuck. But all okay. right you may not have that option. You may have to put something down and you don't have a backup answer. You have to come up with your own answer and type it into the question answer box. So if you get in those situations, you wanna be confident in whatever number that you're putting in that box. So here are my recommendations. Start practicing calculations daily, make it part of your routine. And even if it's only 15 minutes to begin with, you are making progress. And then you can increase the amount of time you spend on your calculations as your exam date gets closer. So for example you can start out with 15 and then maybe a month out you move to 30 and then in the two weeks out you move up to an hour a day of calculations as you're spending more and more time studying. But this is where you should start. At least start getting something down on paper. So tip number five is to practice your calculations with the right calculator. So again going to the NABP website there is a guidebook about the exam that I highly recommend that you check out. But having the right calculator is very important and here is why. Because you're going to have that muscle memory down if you're using the calculator that you're going to use on exam day, and you're not going to be trying to figure out the calculator while trying to figure out the answer to the question. That's just going to cause you more stress and anxiety on test day. So if you're already prepared and you're used to using the type of calculator that is going to be available to you on that day, it's just reducing that stress and anxiety. And if you're already a nervous test taker, you don't want to add to that at all. Take it away. Use the calculators that you're going to have on exam day. So you're automatically going to get provided with an online scientific calculator. This is like built into your exam window and you're going to get to practice with one of those calculators now because I'm going to be linking down below a free version of a calculator. I don't think it's probably the same calculator. I was told it was something similar. It's what I used to practice back in the day and it is just going to make it easier for you to see what you're going to have available to you on exam day, how to find the functions that you're going to need to answer the questions that may come up and do all of the calculations that are on the those competency statements that we talked about earlier. The other thing you're going to find is this exam is determined that you are a minimally competent pharmacist, which means you don't need to know crazy complicated math problems most likely. I mean there's some of them that are probably going to be more complicated if you read the competency statements. There are some that are more in-depth. Don't pretend like that's not there. I won't want you to be surprised if there's a crazy complicated question on your exam because it can happen for sure. But a lot of the questions that we get as pharmacists on a day-to-day basis. And what you'll probably see in the exam are questions that are similar to daily practice, right? Because the idea is you're a minimally competent pharmacist exam. We do a lot of questions that are basic addition, that are basic multiplication or division, like weight-based dosing. And so you don't need a crazy scientific calculator for that. And I find those online calculators to be harder to maneuver than like a basic calculator. So I actually went and bought a 99 cent calculator at Walmart at very basic functions. And that's what I use to practice because you can request that on test day. So they may not automatically give it to you, but you can ask for it. And I highly recommend that you do because that basic calculator hopefully will save you some time because you're more used to that than the online calculator functions. This brings me to tip number six, which is to know your top 200 drugs. Again, what do you think you need to be deemed a minimally competent pharmacist? I would say that basic drug knowledge is going to be on that list. And the competency statements that you find on the NABP website would agree with That sentiment. You need to know things like your top 200 drugs forwards and backwards. Study the medication, brand names, and generics. Know your common serious side effects and mechanism of action and top counseling points for these drugs because they are the drugs that pharmacists see most, and a minimally competent pharmacist likely should know them and if you're looking for a way to study these that is way more fun than reading your rx prep book or even doing those questions in true Learn that i talked about earlier i recommend checking out memory farm's top 200 drugs coloring book because it is a really fun resource and it can feel a little bit more relaxing as you're studying compared to, you know, just reading a textbook or doing a bunch of practice questions. Tip number seven is to make a test day game plan. Now you can bet that top athletes don't go into a high stakes game without a solid plan and you shouldn't go into your exam day without a plan either. Map out exactly how you're going to get to and from your test site. What time do you need to leave? Where are you going to get breakfast? Where do you need to park? Answer all of those questions. Book a hotel if you need it and make sure you have everything you need so you're allowed into the exam room. Remember there are very specific identification requirements that you have to show in order to be allowed to set for the exam. So do not please if you're listening and trying to multitask come back listen to this one. Do not go into that test room without double and triple checking your identification requirements so that you have the right things because the last thing you want to do is get to test day and be denied access because you don't have the right identification. You also might want to bring a bottle of water and some snacks and also try to schedule your time of day that your exam is taken at a time of day that is best for you. If you are a terrible morning person and you rarely can get to something at 8 a.m., don't schedule your exam for 8 a.m. While this is a long exam, your testing window is six hours and 40 minutes because that allows for your breaks and time in and out of the room, et cetera, because six hours is allotted for the actual question taking. You do not want to be late for your exam. They're not going to let you in if you're too late. And you don't want to pick a time that is hard for you to think clearly. So if you can pick an exam time that's a little bit later in the afternoon, that may be better for you. And then number eight is taking those allotted breaks on test day. Like I said, you have six hours and 40 minutes at the center, six hours for the exam, and then two 10 minute breaks built in. And then that other 20 minutes is like getting registered, signed in, and checking in and out of that exam room. I really do recommend taking both of your 10-minute breaks for the full time because this is going to help you tremendously as far as just like resetting, clearing your mind before you go into the next section. And while you can take unscheduled breaks, these breaks mean your exam tire is still counting down and you don't get that time back. So if you want to get as much time in the exam room as possible, just take your scheduled breaks even if you aren't sure you need them because the last thing you want is like 15 minutes into the next block. You really have to pee and you didn't try to go to the bathroom before. You can grab a drink of water, grab a snack, like I said, go to the restroom and it's just a chance to clear your mind before heading back into that next section and just take a breather because you deserve it and you need it. Tip number nine is don't dwell on the questions you don't know the answer to. This is one of the biggest mistakes you can make on test day because it's getting into your own head and just messing with your mindset and you don't want to do that. I know this one is easier said than done. but you're never gonna know the answer to every question you get asked in the pharmacy so it also makes sense that you won't know the answer to every question on your exam and that's okay because the great news is you don't need to get a perfect score in order to pass the NAPlex. Another thing I want you to remember if you didn't know this already is that 25 of the 225 questions aren't even scored. These questions are practice questions just try them out for possible future exams so you may be wasting your time thinking about a question that's not even part of your score. That is such a waste waste of your time, energy, and your mindset. That's just not needed. Don't fall into that trap. If you don't know the answer to a question, there is no penalty for guessing the wrong answer. So make sure you answer every single question with your best educated guess and then just move on if you don't know the answer for sure, because dwelling on it is definitely not gonna make things easier or better for you. And this brings me to my last tip, tip number 10, you won't feel 100% ready and that's okay. No matter how long you are a pharmacist, there is always more to learn. There are new drugs coming out every single day. There are thousands of medications on the market. You don't need to be perfect perfect, or know-it-all to pass the NAPLEX, you just need enough questions answered correctly to be considered a minimally competent pharmacist. Actually getting what is considered an easier question right, thinking things like maybe brand or generic or brute force memorization of a mechanism of action, is actually worth more on this exam than say a complicated question about chemotherapy treatment that is very nuanced for a patient. Because again, the whole goal is minimally competent pharmacist. Don't forget that you have technically been studying for this exam for the entire time you were in pharmacy school, which is years and years. Take a breath. Believe in yourself. After all, you are, or soon to be, a doctor of pharmacy taking this exam. So all in all, I hope these TidNaplex tips have been helpful to you. Remember to breathe, stay calm and keep your eye on the prize, which is becoming a licensed pharmacist and taking care of patients like you've always dreamed of. And if all else fails, just remember, there are other jobs out there. You can be a professional cat cuddler. That's a real job, something that maybe I will do when I retire one day because Mr. Meowgi and Luna, my cats, seem to think I do an excellent job. But in all seriousness, with these tips and a little bit of hard work, and a lot of time studying, you'll be well on your way to acing your NAPLEX and becoming the pharmacist of your dreams. And don't forget to celebrate when it's all said and done. You deserve it. Thank you all for listening, and I'll be back with another episode very soon. Bye!